Hello, everybody. This is Austin Bridges welcoming you to the LL Research Law of One podcast episode number 107. LL Research is a nonprofit dedicated to freely sharing spiritually oriented information and fostering community. You can find virtually all of its material available for free at llresearch.org, and you can visit our forums at discourse.bringforth.org. Today is quite a special episode for us because I am joined by a few guests in addition to the usual suspects, Jim and Gary. Uh, we have with us today the rest of the LL Research team uh, that is currently working for LL Research. That includes Trisha Bean, Daniel Shields, and Joanna Burns. We're very happy to be able to get everybody together. We've been trying for a while to get our schedules aligned to introduce everybody to the listeners of the podcast. So today we're going to do a bit of a special episode where we introduce the team, talk a bit about uh, their spiritual journeys, and just have a casual discussion about um, you know, the law of one and spirituality as it's relevant to all of us here at LL Research. So otherwise, um, you know, typically the topics we discuss on the podcast come from questions sent in by seekers. So if you do have a question or a topic you'd like to discuss, please feel free to send it in. Uh, you can email them to us at contact at llresearch.org or go to www.llresearch.org slash podcast for further instructions. Again, I'm Austin. You're listening to the LL Research Law of One podcast. And how is everybody doing today? Is everybody here ready to go? Yep. Yeah, oh, great. I'm excited. All right. <laughs> awesome. I'm excited too. Uh, this is uh, really great to finally introduce everybody to the world. Um, we're going to sort of go around in a, a circle around Robin style and just go through a few discussion topics. And I think to start with, the most natural question is, to tell us a bit about your spiritual journey and how you discovered the law of one. And I think the best person to start with would be Trisha Bean. Uh, well, thanks for having me. And also kind of start by saying that this feels a little bit like when you channel, you got to just really trust that what's about to come out is meant to come out. So mm -hmm. <laughs> thank you for this opportunity. Except there's no Kuo helping you decide what to say. Right. <laughs> You're on your own. Uh, it's my own responsibility. Uh -huh. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'll try to keep this fairly brief. Um, I guess my spiritual journey begins at day one. I was born and raised uh, in a Catholic household uh, with two very loving parents, but never felt alignment with uh, the religious dogma. I went to a uh, Catholic school where I was kind of drilled into my skull, these tenets of Catholicism, which I, again, found no resonance with, especially uh, if we're like made in the image of a creator who is loving, how can he be so judgmental and damning and saw hypocrisy in the Catholic school system as well, elitism, uh, favoritism. I was told once that I would go to hell for going to public school. So that kind of uh, turned me into a pretty staunch atheist, super, super young and uh, fairly science-minded. You about to say something? Public school can kind of be like hell for some people sometimes. So. <laughs> oh, <laughs> maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Bullies at Catholic school are pretty intense. 
So I think it's hell on earth, but that's neither here nor there. Um, yeah, so I became an atheist at a young age and was super science-minded, left brain, uh, and stuck to that pretty hardcore. Um, as I got older, I really wanted to develop my sense of independence and took a leap of faith in doing so by moving out to uh, Wyoming for a summer to be a park ranger at Yellowstone National Park. And I was at what I thought was my peak, right? I'm thousands of miles away from my family. I'm truly independent. There's hardly cell phone service. Like I get mail once a week. I get food once a week. I am independent. And my life kind of shattered in a moment. I became very ill. I had to give up my job and I had to become extremely dependent on my family. And you ran a trajectory towards becoming um, a park ranger too. You thought you wanted to spend your life with the NPS, National Park Service, because of your experience in Yellowstone. Yeah. You had found your home there. I had. I thought I had everything in order in that becoming sick with uh, an inflammatory disease just stripped me of that. So I lost everything in a moment. So it seemed, and I became very angry and depressed and I became a victim of life circumstance. And as I got more sick, uh, I came to a crossroads in the form of a near-death experience. I had a pulmonary embolism and I stopped breathing. And that was the taste of the sweetest bliss I think I've ever experienced. As I look back on it now, even though it was just a fraction of time, it was an immense feeling of calm and peace and weightlessness. And when I was resuscitated and came back to, my whole life had changed. I was at peace for like weeks afterwards, which I then spent like three weeks in the hospital after that, and I just felt happy. I remember the sense of just feeling overjoyed to see my family for another day. And it fostered within me this newfound respect for this opportunity that I have here in this incarnation and set me on a, a new path of trying to figure out what it means to be spiritual, what calls to my heart. And I got into Native American animism and some Taoism, and, but nothing was really sticking and all-encompassing in a moment. So one day I run into some dude at a Halloween party and uh, fell in love with him. And he introduced me to this amazing philosophy that made a lot of sense to me. Not that night. Not that night. <laughs> took some time. This is true. It was not, we'll say weeks later. <laughs> and, and just for clarity, some dude happens to also be uh, Gary Bean. Oh, yes. Thank you. Audio format, not video format. <laughs> Keep that in mind. Um, and at first, the, it, the philosophy had a lot that made sense to me, but it still didn't feel quite like my home. And I'm actually really thankful of that because... It was through 
that through Gary that I got to know Jim and I got to know Carla and through Carla that I learned my love of cooking and nurturing people and I got to meet all these amazing other people at homecomings and events and um over time it just started to click more and more and I think my takeaway from the experience was that I just wasn't fully ready in that moment to embrace the philosophy because I needed to grow, I needed to mature, and I needed to like break my heart open a few times. I needed to uh, break down who I am for me to be able to accept it. And here I am years later, and I'm part of this organization, and I get to meet wonderful people, and it's changed my life. So that's about it. Awesome. I think uh, an aspect of the first question I should have added uh, before I sent it to you all is um, to talk a little bit about specifically what you do with LL Research. And I'll preface that by saying, you know, anybody who's been to a homecoming uh, in the past 10 years now, I guess, has experienced the fruits of Trisha's um, love in the form of food. Uh, she's volunteered with LL Research, uh, put in so many volunteer hours for LL Research before she started officially working for LL Research. So um, she's been involved with LL Research for a long time and uh, has put in a lot of love to LL Research. But currently, uh, what kind of things do you you know do for LL Research? Well, I still do some cooking. <laughs> Probably will do more tomorrow. <laughs> um, I uh, work on event management, getting events set up and uh, people registered for them and making sure that they run seamlessly. We shall see at least. Um, I also work with the social media aspect, I've done some audio visual work. I do the bookkeeping. I answer seeker emails along with Austin, Gary and Joanna. Uh, yeah. And you manage the online store. Manage the online store. I wear a few small hats at once, I guess. Mm -hmm. That's um, the nature of most nonprofits, not small nonprofits, really small organizations in general. I think everybody has to wear multiple hats. Mm -hmm. um, and I will also mention, delineated from your paid work with LA Research, uh, you're also part of the uh, current channeling circle, yes. um, which has been a spiritual journey on its own. Um, and uh, we can talk a little bit about that um, later if you want. But for now, um, how about we move on to uh, Mr. Daniel Shields. Daniel, could you tell us a little bit about your own spiritual journey, how you discovered the Law of One and came to this organization called LR Research? Yeah, sure. Uh, so I help LR Research with the website. And I started volunteering um, right before the COVID pandemic started. And it gave me a lot of free time to work on the website when the world shut down. Um, and at the moment, I'm helping with a lot of translation of work. Um, but similar to Trish, my spiritual journey also started really young. Um, and it always made me feel like an outsider or a wanderer. And that's because I, when I was like three or four years old, I decided to become vegetarian. Um, and I live in South Africa. So it's a very far out thing to be a vegetarian in Africa. Um, it was a really difficult life. Um, especially in this culture, they don't really 
uh, understand that kind of stuff. Um, so that led me to a lot of questioning about why the world is the way it is. Why do we eat animals? It gave me a lot of like grief and anger with the world. Um, and I directed that into spirituality, reading uh, a lot about this kind of stuff, trying to think about why the world is the way it is. Um, and that was like that for, for maybe 20 years until I had um, an out-of-body experience. Um, and up until this point, I had a lot of anger and a lot of negativity to the world. Um, and then I had an out-of-body experience and it was just unexplainable. And from that point, like my life totally changed. And I had to, <laughs> even though I was kind of into spirituality, I wasn't like very advanced. And I just started reading every single book I could find on the, the subject, uh, just trying to explain and understand what had happened. Um, and I hadn't even really thought much about past lives then or anything like that. Um, and then it was just, I think it was some random person on Reddit on the psychedelic forum. He was like, hey, you should check out LR Research and the Law of One. And <laughs> I found the website uh, and I started reading it and I read it all night, I think. And that was the beginning of our journey together. And that was about 10 years ago, probably way before 2012. Um, and since then, I've been doing uh, lots more reading. I've read every, everything I can find. I've read The Raw Contact maybe five or six times. Um, I've gone on a healing journey and I've studied Reiki and astrology and I've done hypnosis, and transpersonal psychology. And then I was doing uh, past life regressions for a while and seeing clients doing that kind of stuff. Um, but another big turning point for me was uh, during uh, Reiki. Reiki was a big part of my shift in changing that early anger around into something more positive. Um, and then I had another out-of-body experience uh, during a Reiki session. Um, and it was totally, totally opposite to the first out-of-body experience. Um, and yeah, <laughs> that's, uh, that was right up. That was, that was lately that that happened. Um, and yeah, just happy to be working with LR Research and doing this kind of stuff now. Yeah, thanks so much. There's one thing I would like to um, correct you on. You use the word help with the website. Mm. <laughs> I would say that is a very humble term for <laughs> what you've done. Um, <clears throat> Daniel is the architect of the new website, uh, you know, the creator, essentially, um, the one infinite website creator <laughs> for LL Research. Uh, he, you know, he's the the brains behind all of that. Obviously, a lot of work goes into it on all levels. All of us have participated in creation of the website and refining of the website. But as Daniel's Herculean task to uh, create the new website and the Herculean task is not over. There's still so much work to be done. He still continues to knock it out of the park. And uh, similarly as Trish, he had volunteered a lot of his time prior to finally coming on as our official kind of web developer 
person. So um, he has contributed a lot of love uh, to this organization. Uh, I wanted to ask, um, you mentioned, you know, being vegetarian and now vegan, mm -hmm. I believe, is a big part of your spiritual journey. And you said it's pretty rare in South Africa. Was there like a specific catalyst that kind of brought, you know, animal welfare and um, stuff like that to your awareness? Do you remember what caused you to make that decision? Um, I know that my grandmother was vegetarian as well. But I think when you're so young, when you're three or four, it must have been some kind of like uh, past life influence or pre-incarnational choice to like not just have no interest in that kind of stuff. And yeah, that has been a big part of my spiritual journey, just turning that anger and, uh, and frustration into towards love. Yeah, that's, uh, that's very powerful. Thank you. Um, any, anybody else have any thoughts or contributions before we move on to our next soul? I have a quick point of curiosity for Daniel. I don't know that I've asked it before. And to preface, this is not to be critical to the old website because we are so grateful for it and its creator. It served its mm -hmm. purpose for over 20 years. But nonetheless, I am curious. You mentioned in 2012, Daniel, that you learned about the law of one and LL research and you went to the website. Given your background and your training, I'm wondering what your impression was of that <laughs> old beauty. Yeah, it was uh, before 2012, because I already read the books before then. Um, yeah. But I started out on the lawofone.info site, and then the LR Research one. But yeah, I thought for a long time that LR Research wasn't even alive anymore, because the website was sold. <laughs> <laughs> and then <laughs> uh, and then when I was doing my master's, I was kind of getting more into spirituality again and more curious about what I'm going to do afterwards. And then I stumbled across your website again, and there was a banner saying you're busy updating it. And then I reached out to help. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Um, before 2012, you must have been pretty young. Do you remember how old you were? Um, well, I found it shortly after uh, my out-body experience, which was in my first or second year of university. Okay. So that was around... 2008 or 2009 that that happened okay yeah that's about mm -hmm. the same time period that i did i discovered the law one as well yeah probably 19 or 20 yeah yeah well thanks so much daniel um now on to joanna burns joanna tell us a bit about your own spiritual journey and how you discovered the law of one and uh your time with ella research okay i came on board last year in April. And um, since then, it's been amazing getting to know everybody and just feeling at home with, with work. You know, I've, I've never felt like that. Obviously, I, prior to this, I was in like a corporate kind of structure, and I just couldn't thrive there. And after all kinds of different situations and circumstances, I it was made clear to me by the universe that that is not for me. So and then I found a home here with you guys and, uh, it's, it's amazing. You know, the universe does work for you, you know, and you like, just let it when you let it. And so I guess the thing I would say is I didn't realize I was on a spiritual journey. Um, but in hindsight, it makes a lot of sense. You know, I grew up 
very evangelical Christian by my family. And I'm just the kind of person that is very passionate. So when I was in that, I was in it, you know, I was a Jesus freak all the way. And I was very annoying, like being a preachy, (laughs) preachy person, you know, um, in hindsight, of course. And then like, um, Trish was mentioning, um, it didn't actually align with my heart because I was, you know, I wanted to save people because of concern, not because like, I thought that this was the the right way or that we're better or anything like that. But then there was a lot of that in the church. There was a lot of judging and there was a lot of hypocrisy. And especially in my family, I saw that, you know, with, with my, my dad, who was very much like, oh, I love Jesus and portrayed himself in a certain way. But then at home, it was like, just not the way what I would imagine uh, a good Christian who abide, you know, who loved Jesus would be like. And so eventually I was able to transition away from that faith, which anybody who grew up in that, it doesn't happen overnight. You know, it's a process, but eventually I did. And I became kind of like curious about spirituality. And that could have been because I moved to California. But then it turned into a very like militant atheist atheism. And so I subscribed to that for many, many years until the pandemic, where I think like a lot of people experience a lot of transformation. And for me, you know, I was completely comfortable in my skeptical atheist position Um, And because I was laid off from work during the pandemic, I had a lot of free time. And of course, as a atheist, you know, you're just curious about finding the truth, you know, and I studied the universe, I wanted to learn about black holes and all of this. And that was basically the gateway that my spirit guides the universe is like, here we go, we got her now. And and I, (laughs) I basically learned that not even the the most brilliant physicist actually had a clear understanding of what reality was and that the only thing that you could agree on is that everything was connected. And that led me to be more open to the concept of astrology because, hey, if everything's connected, then perhaps the location of Jupiter when I was born probably has an effect on me or whatever, you know? And that was the gateway drug. That was the gateway drug to the rest of spirituality and I honestly don't know what happened, right? Like I was this atheist. I was happy about that. I was fine with that. And then suddenly I'm like, what? You know, I find myself in this like crazy rapid spiritual ascension. And I just started consuming everything. And I think we all have a very good idea of what that feels like when we're just like, what? And like we're reading, we're watching videos, especially during the pandemic where you don't even have to try to sneak it in while you're at work. You know, it's like you're there and, (laughs) <laughs> and and then eventually I just felt oversatiated, you know, like trying to figure out what chakras are and and what this thing is and all all these people like trying to teach you all these things. And I kind of shut down for a little bit, you know, but luckily I was in this spiritual group that I found online and they had a book club type thing. And one of the books was Carla's um, Living the Law of One. And I had suggested that we, can we start, can we do that next? Cause we had other books. And again, coming from like an atheist background, the channeling concept was a little bit hard for me. <laughs> and the first couple of books we read were channeled materials and they were like more like the fluffy kind of language. 
And I was like, okay, that's cool. That's inspirational. And when it was my turn to pick a book, I thought that the lot, the Carla's book, I didn't realize it was a channeled book as well. <laughs> so I was like, let's read that one. That sounds interesting. Law of one. Hmm. <laughs> and then it was a channeled material. I was like, what? <laughs> but anyway, it just spoke to me, you know, the little excerpts that were raw in her book. I just couldn't get past them because it was just, you know, I, it just got me. And I think we also know what that feels like mm -hmm. for those of us who are just captured by this material. And then that was it. I was like, this is, this is home. This feels, this is it, you know, cause I, because I had consumed so much material and that I was feeling so in the air, I felt like the law of one kind of brought me back down. Cause it doesn't really ask anything of you. It doesn't, it doesn't ask anything. It just asks you to be you and that resonated with me a lot and that it was like grounded me back to the earth you know where it's like we are here and we're not supposed to ignore anything going on around us even though it is an illusion and yeah it just it resonated with me a lot and then the job announcement came on like got like sent to me via email and I was like well let me try you know I, I loved the organization. A big part of the thing that resonated with me was like how it was all the materials were offered for free. And, and so, yeah, well, now here I am. And I just honestly can't even believe it. <laughs> well, I'm sure I speak for everybody in saying that we're very grateful that uh, our paths crossed and you decided to uh, apply for the job. Uh, Joanna was like the first real kind of traditional hire for LL Research. Like, thankfully, we've ended up in a situation where we're able to expand and grow and we have more work to do than we have people to do it. And so uh, we were trying to figure out how to solve that problem. And we decided to try to put up a traditional job posting and we got lots of applications, but Joanna's stood out above everybody else's. And when we interviewed her, it was just everything clicked and really appreciated the way that she interpreted the material and understood the material and the bright light that she shines when she talks about it is uh, so apparent. So uh, we're very, very grateful. It's been a great year uh, since uh, she came on. So thanks so much, Joanna. Thank you, um, guys. I mean, it's so I'm just so grateful. <laughs> yeah, I really like the idea of you during the pandemic, your spirit guides are kind of like, uh, <laughs> you know, waiting for you to like latch on to something. Then they see you go after black holes and they're like, there it is. <laughs> There's a yeah. light that like flips on and they're like, all right, we got her. <laughs> Right. I mean, that's what happens. You know, they try to find those avenues. <laughs> right. Um, you know, I noticed something interesting. And I actually want to ask Jim uh, about it. Uh, there's a theme. It's present in my own journey as well. And then Trish and Joanna both referenced it of sort of a period of strong atheism. And uh, for me, also, it came through sort of being bullied by very religious Christian people when I was younger. So Jim, you have the biggest like long view of people who are attracted to the material. Would you say that's a pretty common thing that the law of one resonates with people who like previously identified as atheist or had bad religious experiences? I think a lot of the people that I'm aware of that have come to LNL research are in that category in one way or another. They may not have been strictly atheists, but they may have been just searching in a way that uh, they 
had to find something else besides what they were doing, uh, that their life just didn't make too much sense. And they needed to find something that did make sense because somehow deep inside, they knew things had to make sense. It can't be here for no reason at all. So I, I think in general, you know, whether it would be atheist or non-aligned or uncertain or just searching. Yeah, I, I, think, uh, I think a lot of people have been wanderers for sure. Yeah, and I also think that's a, a bit of a testament to Carla's own light because, you know, she was not, um, she didn't try to hide her Christianity. She didn't try to shy away from it. And she was very outspoken about her own religious experiences and her love for Jesus. And despite that, there's lots of people who are atheists and sometimes have had really bad Christian experiences, uh, but they are not turned away by what Carla talks about. You know, Carla she just radiated this understanding and this depiction of Christianity that is so rare in the more organized religious groups that um, I think it speaks a lot to her own light that uh, so many atheists are comfortable with this organization that, uh, you know, was sort of founded by such a very faithful Christian. So even more so quick insert, there have been many people we've heard from over the years who grew up in a Christian background and who, like Joanna and Trish were describing, rejected that background because of, uh, you know, the, the hypocrisies and judgmental behaviors and so forth. Um, but upon discovering the law of one and then connecting to Carla's faith and her connection with Jesus, they're able to reconnect to those Christian roots and sort of purify to remove, um, you know, some of the non-resonant material and connect to the the heart of it in a way that's like a, re, a coming back home for them as well, because it's, you know, part of their their psyche and their makeup and their their family and so forth. That's true. I can attest to that. Like, obviously, I had a, a very bad hard relationship with certain words like God, faith, and all those things, Jesus. But yeah, I think Carla's example, I mean, it confused me a little bit because she talked about Jesus all the time, but eventually I was able to have Jesus back in my life in the way that I had recognized him before where someone who was loving and who, who loved the lepers and the prostitutes, you know, like that kind of thing. Um, I'm very happy to have that back in my life because it's so precious. And I love that about the law of one, because it's very inclusive, you know, at the homecoming events and the coming home events, it's like people come from all walks of life and they all feel included. There's not a lot of, you know, especially with the polar polarization of, of everything in our, in, in our experience, it's like to find so many different people to come together is, is so fascinating. Yeah. I think one of the things that, uh, was helpful for people relating to Carla was she was a mystical Christian. She didn't do dogma. I think it's the dogmatic portion of most religions that really turned people off. But she uh, she said, well, I, I read the, the red print. That's what mm -hmm. Jesus said. And it's more likely to be the truth. You know, I don't do dogma. Yeah, I remember reading one of her speeches one time, and I was kind of shocked because it was a speech at a church. I can't remember specifically. It's on our website, but she was talking in, to a church, 
And in that speech, she said that she didn't necessarily have like this faithful belief in the immaculate conception, because that's kind of a dogmatic idea of where Jesus came from. And she said that in a church. And I was like, that's, um, you know, the basis for a lot of Christianity is that dogmatic belief that you have to believe that Jesus came about in a certain way and that you have to believe in a very specific idea of who Jesus was and what Jesus was doing here. And uh, she basically stood up in front of a church full of people and said, I don't believe that because that's, you know, that's just the dogmatic part of Christianity. She believed in the the love aspect of it. So um, really appreciated how Carla spoke about religion and Jesus and her faith. Um, take a pause real quick before we start on our next topic. See if anybody has any thoughts or contributions to share. All righty. So next, oh, go ahead. Uh, one more quick question for Joanna, if she's interested. If not, we can just edit out this question. Um, Joanna, do you feel that your background in Manila fed into what would become your spiritual journey in your life? In hindsight, yeah. You know, I was born in the Philippines and I was there till I was six before I immigrated to Virginia, where I grew up. And uh, I wasn't like a citizen until I was about 10 years old. So I had this little card that said resident alien on it. And there was my face. And I just, I would note. have to say alienation is a word that I've said years before I even discovered the law of one. If I had to describe my life, that is what I felt alienated always, all the time. But I remember that specific experience when I saw that card and said alien on it. And I was like, what, you know, aliens are bad or whatever, you know, and but it made so much sense that there was always this thing inside of me. And I think a lot of other seekers can relate to that, where there's this thing that was always in me looking and looking, but could never find. I remember as a kid, just trying to look in people's eyes and faces to acknowledge like, this is weird, right? This whole life thing. And, <laughs> but I could never see that in anyone's eyes, you know? And so I think because I've come from another country and experienced different kind of ways of being it's like I I always had that curiosity of like who are we what are we why are we so different <laughs> and <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah thank you yeah and I think that's a that's a very common theme for wanderers in general is like you said that feeling of alienation and it's interesting listening to all three of you just basically anytime we talk about spiritual journeys or hear about spiritual journeys in the moment like you were saying, Joanna, you don't even know you're on a journey. It doesn't feel meaningful. Things can seem very random or like Trish said, you feel like a victim of uh, circumstances, a victim of life. And then we get to a certain point, we look back and it's like, it looks so neatly arranged and so purposeful to get us to where we are. So uh, I love hearing about those kinds of experiences. Um, so to move on to our next uh, topic is um, what are the most meaningful concepts in the law of one for you and you know how have they influenced your spiritual journey trisha bean is it weird i took notes before this no. podcast <laughs> to make sure my adhd brain could handle these questions no faithful listeners of the podcast would know <laughs> that back in the day gary and i used to write our entire answers and on the podcast would literally just read from our answers and not actually have like a conversation <laughs> <laughs> so nope that's very normal I'm a good company the though. curtains pulled back 
uh yeah i think the the biggest thing that really uh broke open my heart was this idea of interconnectedness of unity of oneness that uh is part of the philosophy i like to call it creatorship or creatorhood that i'm you know this extension of the creator that has been so healing to my my heart my soul as someone who's long dealt with self-worth issues and intense self-hatred this idea that i'm i'm just this like tiny piece of the creator and i'm figuring things out and i am this opportunity for the greater creation to know itself to mm. experience itself to learn from itself that has helped me uh slowly over time gain a lot of acceptance and grace for myself and forgiveness which then kind of bleeds into this idea that there's ultimately no mistakes of course we can we can act in ways that are hurtful or harmful but to look at the the greater view you know this cosmic view of it and realize that each step is a purposeful one in our journey in learning in experience and that if i have my foibles and my fumbles those are just as pure gold as my gifts and my triumphs uh which again is super helpful whenever you are someone who struggles with liking yourself or uh liking the way you act or your decisions and um ultimately that all comes back to the central message too that love is at the base of everything that everything is a distortion of love fear anger joy you know it's it all boils down to love and that is so inspirational that i'm i'm love i am creation of love my house is a creation of love the trees outside are a creation of love and the very existence and expression of everything is love i mean my like you know my left brain science brain would have once told me oh no it's just you know carbon and atoms and protons and neutrons and electrons and i can see the bigger picture now that it's oh it's so much more beautiful than that it's love so i guess that's my really punctuated uh corkboard with various <laughs> pins <laughs> connected by string <laughs> Uh, no, that was really beautiful. Thank you so much for that. And I really appreciate, you know, the first part of what you were talking about, especially the um, self-judgment and then self-acceptance and uh, stumbling on our journey back to the creator. I always think about how that message isn't just present in the law of one, it's present in Ra's own journey. I think about this when, you know, people feel bad about a mistake they made or something like that you know, they interacted with the Egyptians thousands of years ago, and there was inadvertent what we would call harm done through that interaction. You know, they introduced distortions that, according to them, their whole purpose of continuing to interact with us is to try to undo those distortions that they introduced with the Egyptians. And at a certain point, Don referred to that as a failure, 
And Ross said, you know, that's your word. We don't use that word failure in what we do. It's an honor for us to continue to, in this role with you to try to heal these things that were created in our co-creation. So I think that perspective is a really powerful one for a lot of people to know that, you know, we can make mistakes. And if we do make mistakes, sometimes we have to fix them and there's healing to be done. It's our responsibility still, but it's not some judgment. Like there's not a God that is looking at us that said, you messed up. Uh, so you're going to have to go to hell for that, basically. So really amen. appreciate what you said. <laughs> What's that? I said, amen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um so how about uh you daniel what um in the law of one what is the most meaningful aspect for you and you know how has it influenced your own spiritual journey um so the most important idea from the raw contact is that everything begins and ends in mystery and i think about this almost every day and i meditate on it all the time um and specifically because i had these two out-of-body experiences that are on total opposite ends of the spectrum and they're so hard to even describe or uh, understand. Um, and just that point that everything begins and ends in mystery, uh, it just brings a lot of peace to me that you can have these experiences that are unexplainable, but they're still the part of the greater picture or the part of your story. Um, so yeah, just that idea um, especially when you try to think about all the crazy stuff happening in the world. Um, and coming back to what you guys were talking about earlier, like there's a, there's a, a magical thread that ties everything together. And that's that element of mystery coming back again. Yeah. I really like that answer. I think hmm. reflecting on it in my own journey, the law of one seemed like, a resolution to all of the mystery when I first found it, you know, life was so confusing. Look, here are all the answers I could ever need. But then it's a great, you know, it gives us a lot of context, it gives us a lot of tools. But ultimately, like you're saying, um, it doesn't give the answer to the beginning and the end of everything. It is still a mystery. And coming to terms with that is a big part of uh, my own spiritual journey, I think, is that not everything has an answer, especially in our current world, like you're talking about. There's so many things that we just can't know why people do things that they do or what is going on in certain ways. And so knowing that mystery is built into the universe, essentially, and that, you know, that is still an aspect of our experience that's important is to know that we can't know everything is really powerful, I think. Yeah, the mystery is the mystery. It wouldn't be fun without it. Right. <laughs> exactly. And um, opportunity for a quick, another quick question for Daniel. Yeah, go ahead. Is, is there, Daniel, any um, intersection? Did the law of one have any impact on your journey with uh, veganism and your care for animal welfare? Um, at the time that I was reading the law of one, I was already a vegan but I still had a lot of the anger of why humans do all these terrible things. And it just helped me with that journey towards love to try and put it in perspective. Um, and it's something that I still work on every day, but I feel a lot more peace and calm about uh, the way things are and about that mystery as well. <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> that's uh, still 
a difficult mystery, I think, why people <laughs> can be as cruel as they are towards animals or other people. So um, I think the love message and the law of one really helps to keep things grounded in the heart. Um, okay, how about for you, Joanna? What uh, do you find the most meaningful in the law of one and how has it influenced your own spiritual journey? Um, <clears throat> for me, it's the idea that there's no such thing as right or wrong, good or bad. And for a lot of people, especially if you've been like, you know, holding on to a lot of dogmatic beliefs, you might be terrified at accepting that kind of a thing. Like, well, who, what if I, people can just murder people or whatever you go right to those extremes of like, there needs to be boundaries and people need to tell us what to do and how to be good. But when I got to the law of one, when it entered my life, I was in a place where I could take that and actually find a lot of hope, you know, because it opened up the opportunity, right. To not be a victim and to be like, how has everything that's happened in my life actually been in service for myself? Even having grown up with a narcissist father, it's like, what was that about? And instead it just kind of gives you an opportunity to have a lot of introspection and investigation into your own life of how it's actually been for you. And that opens up the door to forgiveness, which of course in the law of one says is like able to stop karma and all of that. And yeah, it's just given me so much peace in, you know, ironically, it feels like that's being told that there's no such thing as good or bad actually gives you peace, gave me peace. And um, I love it because even the relationships that we encounter in life, they've hold so much more sacred meaning because I no longer look at it as, are they bad to me? Are they good to me? It's more like we're we were meant to be together. We're meant to interact in this, in this incarnation and why, you know, how are you a mirror for me? And so it just, for me, it just liberates me in so many ways to not think about things in those binary terms. This is good or bad. It's just, oh, this is what, this is what's in front of me. And it's a gift. It's, it's love. It might not seem or feel like love all the time, but it is love. And it's just that constant striving to see the love in every moment mm. <laughs> yeah absolutely that was also beautiful thank you so much yeah. um i'm gonna throw a little bit of a curveball because i don't know if i've ever heard a specific answer to this question from gary or jim so i'm curious about both of you uh jim what would you say is your most meaningful concept in the law of one that you resonate with <laughs> that's a curveball <laughs> yeah uh, that is hard to answer uh, because there's so much that has meaning for me over the years I think that the fact that um, that Don and Carl and I were able to be part of it and to help bring it forth as a philosophy that is seen basically through all religions as a perennial philosophy, something that has been known on earth for as long as people have been here and had religions. And that is, um, people can interpret it in their own way that we're all unique in the way that we use various concepts and aspects of the law of one. And yet we're all contributing to the overall purpose of the creation. And that is for the creator to know itself. 
and we get to try to know ourselves as well. So I guess, you know, to, to discover that the creator is within us and is everywhere. There's nothing that is not the creator. It's probably the most important, you know, concept for me. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. How about you, Gary? Uh, my answer to the question is I can't answer the question. It's you too hard. Do you want my notes? <laughs> yeah, I'll just refer to Trisha's notes here. <laughs> bullet points and sub bullet points. Yeah, um, there's just so much. It's, it's so profound. And what is remarkable to me is how it continues to be even more profound as I grow. 23 three years now into its study and it's still it makes me cry it makes me feel awe and wonder and it is constantly inviting me into self-accountability and self-betterment um, and growth and constantly giving me compass setting directions um, and the tumult that is daily life. I mean, there's so many things that take my attention and spin me around in a hundred different ways that I can return to this guiding star, this lodestone in my life. And it's always going to point me, point me true. Um, and I loved everything that uh, Trish and Daniel and Joanna said and resonate 100% with it and would identify those things as well, uh, particularly the law of one's emphasis on love. And I guess I would conclude with a couple metaphors in terms of its impact and how and why it is that I love it. And uh, I've said this before, it's like, um, you know, if you can imagine you're washed up on some distant shore of some foreign land and you have amnesia you don't remember who you are or where you came from or what you're doing there on the shore and you have to rebuild a whole new identity with no recollection of what came before except that you hold this dim awareness that something's not right something's deeply missing and and you want to know and law of one is in that situation serves as something of a postcard from home. It's like a message that reminds you it, in, on that postcard, maybe you see pictures of, of um, your home and loved ones that you knew and you see your language and you see you in that card and you there, something sparks up in your awareness and you're like, yeah, this is, this is, this is me. I know I'm remembering something about who I am and why I'm here in the first place. I didn't just randomly wash up on this shore. There wasn't a shipwreck. I came here on purpose. And then finally, to expand on that, it's also like you know, being lost in a wilderness, which this world is. I think most people are, you know, sleeping and hypnotized and lost in the illusion. And, um, you know, I had my own autopilot mode and uh as well and it's like getting a perspective that lifts you above the the chaos and the wilderness and the values of this world which are confused of course and which are bellicose and often negative and gives you something of a map and it clarifies what you're doing and what your context is and hmm. Yeah, it gives gives thing things meaning, and in that clarity, in that perspective, you are empowered. 
and you're like Joanna was saying, you're no longer uh, a victim, but you are the author of your own journey. And it's a meaningful journey. And there's an intention and a purpose and to all of it. And the potentials that are available to you can be grasped on a trajectory toward a so-called destination. And that's, you know, discovering who and what you really are, which is to say returning to the creator. So yeah, thanks for asking, Austin. That's my long answer. Yeah, thanks everybody for the beautiful answers. Um, mine is Bigfoot, I think. I was gonna say you should hear Austin's. Yeah, yeah, it's Bigfoot. <laughs> <laughs> Bigfoot and the Men in Black was definitely the best parts of the Law of One. Um, I, I can't give an answer any more eloquent and beautiful than all of you have given. Uh, so I'll just say, if there's a singular concept for me to pick that was most impactful and most meaningful for me, it's just the word catalyst that Ra chose to use to define our experiences and you know just I was familiar with the idea of a catalyst from like chemistry something that you introduce that then instigates change and to understand that all of our experiences are catalyst like they aren't just things happening to us they are this alchemical uh mixture that is being added into our lives to induce a certain change and not only just change for the sake of change but change uh, for self-knowledge and that self-knowledge being found in the heart essentially for people on the positive path so um, any experience that I had then became this sort of puzzle to solve and this sort of like thing to meditate on to understand how that was helping me to get closer to my heart because it is there's no uh, question about it whatever it is it's a catalyst that is intended for me to evolve and grow uh, deeper into the heart and closer to the creator so um, all of your answers resonate with me very powerfully but if there's one concept that I think was most impactful for me it's definitely the idea of catalyst and using that in meditation and balancing Quick shout out to its non-dogmatic non nature too. The law of one doesn't ask that you have to accept any of it or all of it, or in order to be some member or adherent to profess some particular line of belief. It's uh, It de-emphasizes its own power. It emphasizes the power and authority of the seeker and encourages their discernment. And you, know, you can pick and choose it because it frames itself as a resource. That's all. I mean, you can draw on one question for inspiration and disagree with with another one. It's endlessly useful for the for the journey. So that's all. Yeah. So interpretation of that is we are not a cult. <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what a cult would say. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Thanks so much, Gary. Uh, so the next question I had uh, sent to you all is uh, what are some other spiritual influences on your path at the moment? And just in case it sparks some more inspiration in this moment, I guess it doesn't necessarily have to be a direct spiritual influence, but maybe anything that is influencing you in a spiritual way, because I mean, our the world is full of things that aren't spiritual, but have a deep impact on us in a spiritual way. So um, Trish, how about you? Yeah, so... Um... A big thing that I'm feeling more compelled to at least practice or um, put energy towards is presence, mindfulness. Uh, 
because I've noticed in moments where I am putting energy towards that, there are so many signs, not like, not like the controversial signs, right? Like I'm not looking for triangles or pyramids or big eyes or anything, but like I'm seeing the interconnection. I see like repeating digits. I see uh, certain totem animals or just being aware of subtle energies and how that, what, what that's communicating to me instead of getting lost in like what there is to do or what has happened, just being super present and in the moment. Um, and that's given me some peace when I'm actually able to put the energy towards that. Um, because I think I can, as a, who I am in this body as Trisha, I can allow myself to get very deeply entrenched in the 3D world. I can get lost in the busyness, in the tasks, in my identity. And um, hmm. that's both tied to future, present, and past. And so when I have the time and the space and the put in the effort to be fully present, like all of that stress and all of that busyness kind of melts away. And I'm neither here nor there, back there or forward. I'm just this beautiful little light. This little spark is that's a part of this bigger flame. And that's really lovely to release the stress of three-dimensional life, to release the traumas of our past and the worries of our future. So I'm working on it. I'm not quite there. <laughs> um, yeah, it's also, it's there's really lovely things that come with that too. Uh, for example, like a totem animal that I see often is a cardinal. And right now there's plentiful cardinals and they're always a reminder to me to get in the moment and practice love because they represent to me a person who I loved very dearly two people that I love very dearly so when I'm able to like not focus on the fact that oh well I gotta get in the car and I gotta take the dogs to the vet I can just get in the car and see this beautiful cardinal out on the deck I'm remembering why I'm why I'm here I'm here to be love I'm here to love and I'm here to receive love. Hmm. So boil that all back down to just presence and mindfulness. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. That was very beautiful. And I really appreciate it. I talk about mindfulness being a, a very key aspect of my own spiritual journey on the podcast a lot. And one of the things I would recommend the most to people um, looking for some kind of spiritual practice, it's mindfulness is very powerful so thank you mm -hmm. uh daniel how about you uh so there's not actually actually not that much that i read or follow at the moment um i used to be very up to date and follow lost people um but during covid it just seemed like everything turned like into a conspiracy theory spiral and i had to kind of disconnect i felt very disillusioned um, so at the moment, there's not much spiritual stuff that I'm into. Um, so if I'm not watching like Italian food stuff on YouTube, 
then I'll <laughs> I'll watch Scott Mandelka lectures because he's got hundreds of hours on YouTube and he talks about lots of Indian teachers and different things. And I kind of just put that on in the background. Yeah, a shout out to Scott Mandelker. He's got a very extensive library on his YouTube channel talking about not just the law of one, but many types of spiritual philosophies, including like Eastern philosophy, like you're talking about. Um, that's a, he's a great resource. Mm -hmm. uh, thank you, Daniel. Um, was there anything in your past, like uh, anything alongside the law of one that really helped to, you know, open up your spiritual journey? Uh, yeah, I did mention earlier that Reiki was a very important part of my spiritual journey. Mm -hmm. And just because it's so simple, there's nothing complicated about it. Um, and I know healing can get very intense and there's lots of different methodologies and all that kind of stuff. Um, but Reiki is just really simple. And I appreciate that kind of uh, simplicity to it. Right. And Reiki is very compatible with the law of one in the sense that if I understand it correctly, it's about providing an environment and an atmosphere for the person to heal themselves rather than actually healing them. Right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And that's exactly how Ra talks about healing as well. So they seem like very compatible philosophies. Hmm. Um, that's a quick question. Yeah. Daniel, what was the other thing you said when you're not watching the Scott Mandelker, Mandelker brother videos. You're watching Italian food. <laughs> yeah, Italian, Italian food. cooking shows. Like how to make go ahead. pizza and pasta and all that kind of stuff. Can I just throw out there that that could be a deeply spiritual experience? Like that's <laughs> like developing a passion and a love and putting love into something, learning how to cook and create from one cook to another that's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely and that's why I kind of tweaked the question at the last minute is you know anything else in your life that's influencing you spiritually because like you're saying it could be something like cooking where you don't really feel like there's a lot going on spiritually in the moment but you know Trish you can attest perfectly and it shines through in your food as well that it's a spiritual practice for you so you're saying the great British bake-off is a spiritual transformative <laughs> yeah it's basically like church <laughs> the good kind <laughs> how about you joanna um well lately someone who has given me so much inspiration has been marianne williamson who is running for president um i i think what she represents for me is somebody who who is bringing their spiritual life and life on earth together, you know, where I find that a lot of times in some spiritual, in you know, uh, communities that they kind of get lost in that spirituality and, and want to disappear into the monastery or something or in the woods or whatever. And it's like, no, but we are here for a reason. And like, what are we here to do? I mean, obviously, most of us probably don't have a calling to run for president, but what is it that we're here to do? We're here to work. We're here to catalyze others. You know, we're not here to save anybody, but we are here to be, you know, um, lights. Like Trish was saying, you know, we are lights and what is light, but 
to be used in darkness, you know? And so it's, um, she kind of gives me that kind of model for, for how we can use our gifts for this world and not just for ourselves and our own kind of ascension, but like kind of look within ourselves to honor our gifts and honor the things that we're supposed to, to give to the world, whatever they may be. And um, I think she's a huge proponent for that. She imagines, basically, she she wants to bring 4D <laughs> into our existence here, you know, where it's like, we are all able to honor our gifts and share that and not be, you know, just struggling every day to, to just survive. And so I find that very inspirational um, as of late. <laughs> yeah, thanks so much. Um, any reflections? from anybody, any contributions, Jim or Gary? All righty. Well, I had just a, one more question for you all to talk about on this podcast. And that is, uh, are there any meaningful experiences uh, so far for your, from your work at LL Research that you'd like to share? Just anything that has um, stood out to you with LL Research and your work? And Tricia? That is such a loaded question. <laughs> <laughs> it's like impossible to answer. And like you got to give a loaded answer then. Uh, At the, I know what the top answer is going to be. I met you before. Like, no, getting to work with your partner. Oh before. yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> it's always harmonious. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, sorry. I would say you, but I did meet you before getting into this spiritual thing. So, sorry. Um, no, I meaningful experiences include like meeting Jim and Carla, getting to know Carla before she passed, getting to uh, help you all in the home for that brief period of time. I really, really loved that. Um meeting so many awesome people from all over the world through events, uh, getting to work with amazing people. I mean, each one of you is a testament to that. Uh, there's been some crazy like coincidences and synchronicities throughout my time. Like my cousin falling in love with the Czech translator and the law of one is like the connection point of that. That's amazing. Yeah, uh, feeling so blessed that I've had this opportunity to, to train and practice channeling in a really uh, safe and intentional way. Never would have guessed that that would, <laughs> that would be something that I'm capable of or interested in, but here we are. Um, yeah, uh, there's so many, so many things, um, each day there's a, a meaningful moment, even if it's just driving to the post office with a book order and knowing that, or a prison ministry book request and knowing that there's the seeker out there who wants this information and I'm going to help them have it in some way or answering a seeker email. It's all just very poignant. There's not a day that goes by that doesn't have a beautiful moment like that. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. How about you, Daniel? 
the most remarkable thing for me was traveling to America last year and going to the two LR research events um, and just meeting other readers in real life and how quickly we became such a big family and how there was such a nice connection with everyone. And it was such a nice glimpse of what 4D life could be like. Mm. And there was just so much love everywhere. It was two beautiful weekends. And that was just so nice because I know a lot of people don't have a spiritual community. Yeah. And I remember you reflecting on something that I hadn't considered until you mentioned it when you were traveling here and attending the events. And that is that you spent so much time working on the website, kind of in isolation. You know, you have a pretty constant connection with me, Gary, Trish, and Joanna. But for the most part, you were out there alone, putting in so much work on something that's really hard and really difficult and requires a lot of effort on your part. And without ever like having a face to connect with that work, and then being able to meet people and actually connect with the people who you're serving through that work. Um, when you reflected on that, it felt really powerful to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because um, I really love working on the website itself but seeing so many other people who love it and who love the search engine. And especially when you look at all the other countries that we get visitors from, and now we're working so much on translations and trying to uh, grow the community. I think that's a really important element to the work. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you so much for your reflection and for the hard work on the website. Um, how about you, Joanna? Well, you know, there's a lot of things, um, but I think one of the most poignant things is um, having needs met in within the team that I did not experience in the corporate world where, you know, there's really not a lot of love there. There's a lot of ego and there's a lot of things like that. And it, I like, that's why I couldn't thrive. But here it's like, you know, I guess the buzzword is culture, right? But <laughs> it's deeper than that. It's it's all of you guys have this deep desire to really know each other, know me and to really see me and support me. And that just doesn't really exist in a lot of places and that it's so genuine. Um, it's just been a gift. It's and, and the fact that you guys are hilarious. I mean, maybe it's my kind of humor too. So it makes, maybe we're not hilarious. I don't know, <laughs> but the humor and just the realness, you know, I remember when we had that road trip from Kentucky to North Carolina, um, it's like, do they, are they okay with fast food? Like what's going on? I mean, and then we pulled over and we, I'm like, you guys are so real. <laughs> and I, I love that, you know, but at the same time, it's not like we can't have a vegan in the group either, you know, like it's so inclusive and so real. And, um, I just, I just, I really love it. I, I find that it's, it's kind of giving us training wheels, what it's like to be of one mind, but be individuals. And, uh, yeah, I think that's the, you know, obviously all the wonderful things that, that I'm able to do in this position, like answering secret emails meeting volunteers, meeting all these wonderful people at the events. It's, it's just wild. You know? <laughs> Thank you so much for that reflection. That's um, really special to hear from you. Really appreciate it. And particularly the humor aspect. Uh, that's actually not an insignificant thing. Uh, it, 
you know, your interviews and your resume, they impressed us so much, but we legitimately talked about the vibing of the sense of humor, uh, which was really important. And it is an important aspect of the organization too. I think that's something that Gary, I mean, uh, Jim and Carla both as well, but Gary has particularly driven home so much is that, you know, we're working with a philosophy and with um, material that can be so heavy and so serious. And, you know, I particularly can just get into modes of just super serious consideration of the spirituality, but the Confederation very constantly attempts to inject humor into all of that and try to lighten up, get us to lighten up. And um, Gary has made a big effort to make sure that almost everything that we do has at least a little bit of humor inserted into it, which I think is a really meaningful and powerful thing. So, you know, the sense of humor is uh, gelling with the sense of humor is an important aspect, I think. Yeah, but I don't appreciate that Joanna revealed that we eat at Taco Bell. <laughs> you did, actually. Oh, Organizational secrets, my bad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is yeah. <laughs> I think most people were under the impression that we lived off of uh, light and ambrosia. <laughs> right, really getting ready for that fifth 5D life. <laughs> Which is what a cheese quesadilla can be. So. <laughs> <laughs> and ambrosia <laughs> so i guess i also would like to take this opportunity with those beautiful reflections to uh offer some great appreciation for you jim and for carla and for don for really setting the foundation for ll research and you know going through everything that you all went through and putting in so much work to bring all this forward and to establish the great foundation of Ella research that has, you know, turned into what it is right now. And, it, um, you know, who knows what the future holds, but that core that you guys built has been persistent. And, you know, we reflect on it constantly. So thank you so much for everything that you've done, Jim. Thank you, Austin. It was an honor. All right. Well, um, those are all the prepared questions that I had. Does anybody have any um, after reflections or thoughts or comments to share? Well, uh, I could take a crack at the last question that you asked. Yeah, go for it. And that's it. Uh, also, I want to echo what you said to Jim. In my own personal efforts and in uh, all of our efforts, we're very conscious of what we feel is a rather unique thing that Carla, Jim, and Don built in the world, and conscious of the need to work within the trajectory that they set. And that's what we're constantly trying to do. Though, you know, growth is inevitable, change is inevitable, but there's a certain vector and there's a certain guidelines and there's a certain base of principles that I think will serve LL research into generations beyond our own so long as uh you know those generations stay relatively true to them again not in a blind obedient dogmatic sense revisiting those principles is constantly needed and uh engaging in self-inquiry is constantly needed but uh we think they did something right <laughs> in the world and uh remain ever grateful that and full of honor that we get to serve on this particular ship and be part of its future journeys as well so thank you jim from me as well 
And in terms of my own work uh, with LL, I really appreciated what the other three said and uh, would add that like, I really love working on a team. I tend to see my limitations more than I do my strengths. And I love being uh, either supplemented or matched or exceeded by the strengths of everybody else on the team. And this is a really talented uh, group of individuals, not just talented in uh, like skill sets, though that in competency in that regard, that that's very true, but uh, authentically on the path of spiritual seeking. I mean, were you three or were any of us not part of this particular organization, we'd still be embarked on this general quest for truth. And um, the way that you've landed on that quest in terms of understanding the necessity of the heart and free-flowing communication and supporting one another that's so needed and vital. And I, I love harmonization. I love bringing our ideas together and um, talking them through and coming to a, a consensus conclusion whereby we become greater than the sum of our parts. We're bigger than uh, bigger than me, bigger than Austin, Jim, Carla. Uh, you know, LL research is something that is greater than than all of us. And we're constant we're in our own ways asking like what is it that wants to be born? What is how is it that LL can serve others? What are seekers needing and so forth? And I love that that teamwork friction does arise and it's painful to be out of sync that does happen but it's by far and large the minority of of our experience to an extent that it becomes like uh there's almost an effortless harmonization often because we're so used to working with one another we're used we're accustomed to our strengths and weaknesses and uh, finally like they all said the people that we get to meet we are really lucky to be honored with a biased cross-section cross of humanity because the people we encounter are being attracted to this material uh, because they, just like us, are on this same quest of truth-seeking, of desire to serve others, of desire to know themselves. And that creates this common language where we're all mutually intelligible to one another. And we can all, like Daniel was describing, harmonize really quickly uh, to the extent that like you spend a weekend with other people in this intimate container and you have you're with family and uh, at, at home. And again, I disclaim this. This is not a special property of LL research. It's purely a function of uh, open hearted people coming together and the magic in that space between them. But man, we have um, gotten to meet the most awesome people. Mm some of whom are on this this uh, video call with us. So that's, yeah, that's been uh, so awesome. I think we should give a shout out to the volunteers and translators as well, because it's not just the six of us. There's a huge team of people behind the scenes that do a lot of work. I think they need some appreciation as well. Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Daniel. Indeed. That would have been a huge oversight if we didn't at least mention it. But uh, you are right that it's um, kind of at this point, and even just the translators, kind of an army of translators uh, mm -hmm. working to help get not only the materials translated, but helping 
us build the you know translated multi-site that you've been working so hard on daniel um and the spirit that they bring to the work it's always amazing uh, gary is primarily the one who interacts with them but we get to see the interactions and it's so uh, amazing the spirit and sometimes the real adversity that they have to go through uh and through that adversity still putting in time and effort to translate the material so that they can offer it to the world and to a completely new segment of the world it's one of the most incredible services that anybody can offer i think so uh, that's a big one but then beyond the translators there's more volunteers we have transcribers our prison ministry volunteers um, just random volunteers just uh, so many people who put so much love and light and uh give of themselves to LL research freely uh, just out of appreciation and a desire to serve it's um it's really incredible so thank you for bringing that up Daniel yeah and um speaking of volunteers it's almost just like a weekly source of inspiration for me because a lot of our seeker letters is just people offering their service so we have a lot of a, a database of volunteers who are just ready and waiting to to help on some project and we get them every week and it's just always so inspirational you know because in a world where people are always asking to get and what can I get you know there's just a lot of beautiful people out there looking to serve and looking for opportunities to serve and a lot of them write to us and it's just so inspirational yeah yeah thank you so much to all of our volunteers like I feel compelled to start naming people but there's so many that if we started naming them then we would um, definitely forget some people. And, you know, a lot of people also prefer not to be named or want to volunteer anonymously. So um, without names, thanks to every single one of you, if you happen to be listening, uh, anything, if you've ever volunteered or offered any kind of support to LL Research and to us, uh, we really deeply appreciate it. Part of that inspiration that Joanna mentioned that um, impacts me in my own work through LL is um being getting constant reminders like uh you know we receive email from people and people are talking about the hardships of their of their journeys but in they're talking about it from a certain frame of attempting to learn from those hardships of attempting to grow and of applying you know their spirituality to the hardships you know primarily sourced in the law of one but from other sources of insight as well and i need those reminders actually because um this world uh, and from the conventional perspective can be a hard place a, de a depressing place even a place that promotes despair for the sensitive open-hearted person so seeing these reminders is uh, uh constantly uplifting me and being reminded also just that there are so many other points of light in the world I mean if the news will give you an impression of humanity that it's just this warlike cynical uh beast and instead there's gentle uh beautiful souls all around the world and we get to encounter some of a small percentage of them yes very well put thank you so much um anybody else have any final thoughts to share before we sign off for this podcast all righty well I will then pass it to Jim to offer some closing thoughts for our listeners well I would just like to thank everybody that's here that's part of our team uh, it's always more effective and 
helpful to have people who have open hearts and the desire to serve others and to travel a spiritual journey together. And that's what we're hoping to offer everybody who ever listens to a podcast, anybody who is interested in the law of one, would like to live the law of one with us. We welcome you to uh, travel that journey. It's an easier journey to travel when there's people like you to travel with. Thank you so much, Jim. You have been listening to LL Research's Law of One podcast. We hope that you've enjoyed the show. You can find more from LL Research at llresearch.org. Thank you so much for listening and for supporting the podcast. And thank you to Jim, to Daniel, to Joanna, to Tricia, and to Gary for joining me today. Um, I love you all. I really appreciate this opportunity for us to get together and um, introduce you all to the listeners so if you have a question for any future episodes or a topic that you'd like us to discuss please read the instructions at www.llresearch.org podcast we love you all and we will talk with you next time <laughs>